gorgeous out. Let's pop some docks. This is the Updock Podcast, a blend of upland and waterfowl hunting. Tune in as your hosts, Tyler Meaden, Jeff Ludicky, Matt Jeske, chat about training dogs and share their bird hunting stories, tactics, and strategies. Welcome back to another episode of the Up Duke Podcast. My name is Tyler Meaden. And again, this is the third week in a row. I am joined by just one co-host. Uh, no Jeff Ludicky tonight, though. Instead, we've got the Mississippi River Boat Gambler, Matt Jeske, back from a big old hunting trip. What's going on, Matt? Yeah. How's it going? Oh. Good to be back. Yeah, I know. I'm just, just living the dream. You missed a couple of good ones, too. I did. I did. So yeah, it's good. I'm I'm glad to have you back. I'm sorry we lost a we lost a compadre here. He's paying penance for um the hunting trips that he's taken. So he's he's on the solo parenting bandwagon. And uh, we got a couple of text updates uh here before we hit record. Things not are not going, going well. Not going well. No, not no. going well. No, yeah. no. <laughs> Unless you like lots of crying and fecal matter everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it seems unfortunate. Yeah, that could probably be like the next podcast. <laughs> if we didn't have somebody booked, would be yeah. Jeff, tell us tell us how solo parenting went. Tell us how the <laughs> yeah. penance, paying penance went for taking hunting trips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, Matt. What are you drinking tonight? Because warm tea. Have... Drink it up. Yep. What do you? What are we drinking? Warm tea. Warm tea. Yeah. Warm tea. We are living we're living dangerously here we have yeah. no alcohol no alcohol on set no got good old h2o here um would do you know what brand of tea it is uh this one actually i, I think it's chill. i think don't quote me on it what what, what i'm not familiar with brands of tea um no i was right it's i'm think i think it's celestial celestial okay yeah all right that's definitely what it is if you are a tea drinker, you should send us a message and let us know because yeah. I'm thinking about becoming a tea drinker at night. But as I as I age here, I have to take on habits of old people, <laughs> older people. If you're you're uh, if you're in your 20s and you drink tea, well, you can also give me a lot of flack for that. Anyway, uh, this episode we are talking all about you, Matt. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, we ref I just referenced that you took a big old hunting trip here. So it was semi secretive. Like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna talk about the whole experience here. But first of all, where did you go? I went to Mexico. So okay. yeah, traveled internationally, went down and duck hunting for four days, duck goose, and actually did some fishing too. So for four days and then came back. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um how long had this trip been planned for so my dad went last january uh he got kind of a last minute invite there's only one spot left so he went last january so i would say he came back in january asked if i wanted to go on a trip um that we would plan out together and i think we probably booked it in february of last year so probably a year maybe 11 months out we've had this we had it booked okay so okay why was it semi-secretive because i remember it being secretive when we talked about it off air 
Yeah. Yeah. I just going out of the country, you know, didn't want to give away too much. Okay. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Okay. But yeah. It, it was kind of a, a bigger deal than just like driving south for snow geese or something. So <laughs> it's true. Kind of so, a big deal. <laughs> okay. There's so much I want to talk about with the, with the travel portion of it here. Yeah. But like, was it a, was I don't know was it a good trip was it successful would you it go was back? very successful would 100% go back um the only travel issue and I probably I think I texted you guys about it was leaving the U.S. barely left Chicago like two hours late ran through the airport in Phoenix and uh pretty much was the third and fourth last people on the bus or on the um on the on the uh, airplane so that was a really hot start so really close to missing the travel day and um, day one hunting because there's only one plane that leaves from Phoenix per day down to the airport that we were going to. So we would have had a really audible to make it happen that day, but luckily um, we didn't have to. Yep. That's good. Where as you were sprinting through the the Phoenix airport, yeah. which is a large which is a large airport, were they uh, in your you're in your around your gate area where they were they making announcements? Last call for Matt Jeske to board. Uh, no, the we didn't get our names. We didn't get our names um, called that I know of. If we did, I didn't hear it because it was like they've got two wings of uh, Terminal A. So if you couldn't hear it in the one, that could have been part of the reason. But yeah, we were definitely the third and fourth last one in line. You know, everybody's already seated on the plane. And then I was frantically checking my app to make sure that our bags made it. Because honestly, if you showed up with my duffel bag and half my hunting clothes, but no waders or a blind bag, it would have been a really rough first day, probably. Yes. So I was pretty worried about that. Well, so, okay, let me let me ask you. So, you, did they provide the shotgun or did you take yeah, that? Yeah, so through? you can bring your own. Um, there is a fee and it is extra time in the airport, both leaving and coming back. My dad did it last year and it wasn't worth the hassle to do it is what kind of it came down to. Like they have new guns every two to three years just because they get shot so much. So they're, it's a new Benelli or a new Beretta pretty much. I mean, so if you can shoot those, you're fine. So we, we went that route. So we didn't have to worry about that. Um, but you you bring everything else as far as your your gear goes. So I was pretty worried about our check bags not, not making it. Yeah. Even if we did. What about what about ammunition? Uh, you buy it down there. That's part you of the, down there. Okay. the lodge. Yep. Everything. Okay. That, that makes, that makes total sense. Cause I, you know, I didn't ask many questions. I didn't want to know the answers ahead of time. And I was thinking uh, today, I was like, if you had to get ammunition or a, or a firearm, if, you, if know, you bring, if you bring a firearm down, you can bring up to a hundred shells, I think is mm -hmm. the rule. So you can bring four boxes if you go through the rigmarole of, paperwork and whatnot to bring your own okay but, okay yeah. interesting all right mm -hmm. okay so we did i mean are the the price okay now are the prices at the lodge on on ammo are they reasonable or do they take take advantage of the fact you gotta buy it's it reasonable considering that it's not a very common thing down there i'd say i mean okay. it wasn't like it wasn't outlandish yeah okay it is it is harder for them to get it though obviously yeah from we, right. we talked to the owner quite a bit about, about that kind of stuff okay yeah okay so um, you got caught up and delayed in O'Hare, yeah. shocker, worst yep. one of the worst airports in America. Yep. Um, that is, I've there. If you travel through O'Hare and you don't get delayed, that's like a that's out of the ordinary. Yeah, um, it was not 
Not cool. <laughs> Not great. No. Uh, you you rush to your plane. Yep. You run to your plane in Phoenix. You get on board. You fly down. Do they pick yep. you up from the airport? Oh, yeah. Yep. As soon as you get through their version of Border Patrol you know, or whatever, you get customs, you get your passport stamped. I mean, there's three guys with um, like carts for suitcases waiting to pick up your suitcases and help you get through the line. And then they immediately get you to the shuffle uh, to the shuttle there. Um, so like the way that it works, like we basically met the other eight people that were going to stay at the lodge with us in line because everybody takes the same flight down, like out of Phoenix is pretty much how it works. So everybody's, you know, all 10 of our suitcases and gun cases and whatever are all stacked on the stuff and pushing it through the airport. And we're just kind of introducing each other, um, to one another and then getting on a shuttle to, for a three hour shuttle ride south. Okay. Yep. All right. That's yeah. well. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So it, yeah. That's a long ride. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's like, I guess when you've been traveling idea. since, yeah. uh, I think me and my dad got on the, uh, hotel shuttle. We took the three 30 in the morning one, which ironically we didn't have to leave till probably like seven the way things turned out. So we left at three 30 and I think we were off the shuttle bus or the shuttle that down there at like five, I think we got there finally. So like it was a lot of travel for really not that long in the air um, overall. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now I'm just curious here. The, the people that you met, right? Mm -hmm. The other people are staying at your lodge. Yep. Did you meet anyone unique, anyone funny, anyone like, did you have any connection to anyone? Where were they um, from? They were, well, they were kind of a big group from Ohio that like some of them knew each other and then some of them met each other through different hunting excursions and now kind of do their trips together. Um, and then there was a, an 11th guy there um, from Washington that me and my dad hunted with because he was solo. Um, he was actually there for his second week. Um, all very unique people. Uh, there was a lot of people there that had really fascinating stories because like one guy had two left on his uh 41 north american waterfall list oh, wow. and he, he planned on getting his widgeon down there and i think he had like one more specific goose um and then one guy you know he already got his 41 um but he was kind of chasing like the subspecies lists where you get like the different kinds of canada geese and the different kinds of uh you know the breakdown of every subspecies like within north america so they were chasing those um on different trips one of the guys was a guide uh in adak alaska so that really far west uh maybe the farthest west island in the aleutian chain um so he duck hunts out there and guides in january so like he was a super interesting guy to talk to quite a bit just overall everybody had kind of interesting backgrounds and stories that's cool that's yeah. great yeah any any uh any anybody we should book on the podcast as a guest God, you know, I mean, that guy would be pretty <laughs> interesting, but other than that, yeah, yeah. So it would be so after talking to him, do, are you going to book a trip up to up to Alaska to duck hunt? I would love to go there. It sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to get up there. It's like three flights, I think you got to take to get up there. A lot of jumpers to get to that. Point. Yeah, so I'm not bad. it's not an bad. adventure is what it's about. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably not cheap either. No, probably not. Probably not cheap. No. Okay. All right. So three hour bus ride, you get yeah. there. Are you still excited or are you feeling exhausted at this point? 
Oh, I was exhausted in the morning. Just the stress of almost not making that flight was way too much. But once you get there and you meet the people and hang out on the shuttle and you get down and have dinner, like that's the main kickoff is like the dinner down there and um, the owner kind of giving you a rundown of what the next four days are going to look like and wake up calls and what that's going to be like. Um, and then you kind of just, I think we went to bed at like 7.30 like after dinner. You know, you, you lay out your stuff for the morning because 3 o'clock comes really early again. But you're just, you're too tired to think about it when it's, and I still woke up early, so it didn't matter, didn't matter anyway. You didn't, you didn't oversleep your alarm, Matt? No, and actually, no, you get a, you get a knock on your door. You oh. get uh, a wake up knock, make sure everybody's up and going. Okay. That's what I need then. Apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A wake up knock. Yeah. Um, okay. So, all right. So you're, so you sleep, right? Net, like. What are you expecting day one? I don't know. Um, I probably had a pretty good idea of what, like, so everybody there, I don't want to say that, like, people that are chasing the 41, like, they're, I don't say they're pros at doing this, right? But, like, they're pretty good at traveling and hunting and knowing. And I've been on my fair share of trips, but never one where it's, like, going to be four days of this. I just had a good idea because my dad had been there. So I kind of knew, like, you're going to wake up early. They're going to take you there, airboat ride, hunt, lunch, hunt dinner you know like i kind of had a really good idea of what it was going to be like but um i didn't want my hopes to get too high because like i don't know i didn't i didn't expect like you know 100 birds a day or something i mean right in the description on the website it talks about like this is not argentina like do not expect like nothing's expected ever in a guided hunt right or yep. a hunt at all so you i mean i could talk about that later but you know you could be in one blind and have an okay day and the blind up the shore has shoots just piles of birds and it's just the luck of your blind of the day and whatever um so i didn't know what one we were going to have i i was hoping for like a pretty medium good day um on all of these but that's kind of what i expected I, I knew how the day would go but really just was hoping the weather would cooperate or the birds would at least half cooperate yeah yeah and what uh like what what species are you chasing down there i had a goal so i wanted i wanted to get my cinnamon teal which is like the number one requested bird when you go down to that area um i wanted a mexican mallard because i don't anticipate shooting many of those ever again so that was one on my list and then i really wanted a northern shoveler um just because if you shoot them up here they're brown like that's it you shoot them down there they've got that super iridescent green with the really white body and um like the brown brown uh like backside um stuff you would never see here you only see kind of in you know videos or or photos of somebody else but not yourself and then anything after that would be a bonus um but that's what i really wanted while i was down there so that was kind of a, a goal okay and did you shoot them all morning one no not, not morning one no 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 okay. cinnamon, cinnamon teal was a three-day three-day adventure so okay yeah okay well, so okay, I've uh, you take an airboat ride. I've never been on an airboat before. Yep. Was this yeah, your so first was, time on an airboat? Uh, I think so. I mean, I've seen plenty of airboats on a real foot, and even some up actually where I live, some people have airboats for ice fishing and some other stuff. I've never, I don't think I've ever been on one. Oh, down like the Florida Keys, I think I've been yeah. on like a Everglades boat, but never like a hunting type type trip. So three o'clock, uh, they wake you up. Uh, you go down to like the the main your like the diner table and you grab some fruit or snacks or whatever and the, you know the trucks leave at 345 
Um, so these are, uh, you kind of go down on a convoy. So you've got two F-250s with 35-inch tires and completely blacked out windows and a Suburban with 33-inch tires and blacked out windows. Wow. And they've got the lodge stickers on the side and you all kind of travel down together in the same area. Um, and that was another two hour ride. So every morning, you know, 345 you leave because it's a two hour ride down to wow. where you're going. Yep. And we were hunting kind of like, I'd call them coastal bays, I guess. So you were in saltwater and the tide comes, you know, you're at a high tide in the morning and it goes out throughout the morning till you leave at 10 or 11 o'clock. Um, you can see the ocean depending on what blind you're in, like through two separate channels or whatever, but you're definitely in salt water right on the ocean. So that was a two hour drive to get down there. And um, yeah, you get there, you roll up and they have different blinds. So we might drop one group off there and one airboat takes people out. Um, and then like where we went every day, I think probably three groups went out of the same boat launch, I call it. It's really just a place where they throw the airboat in. It's not a boat launch. Um, and then, yeah, you get dropped off at your specific blind, designated blind that they kind of pre-plan for you in the morning. Yeah, I mean, the airport line probably 10 minutes max every day. It wasn't very long. Okay. Uh, and how how warm is the weather? Is it like hunting early season up here? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. It was, um, some of the mornings were like low 40s. And then towards the end of the week, it was closer to high 40s or 50 by the time, like, by the time you had the two hour truck ride, like you jumped out, it's probably 50 degrees. And then by the end of the hunt, like you're down to a t-shirt, you know, it's yeah. 70 degrees. And then you're, you're hunting in the afternoon in a t-shirt and you could wear shorts if you wanted to, mm -hmm. it was 80 degrees plus. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. what I, that's what I would have expected. Right. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So, no, okay. That all makes sense. All right. So yeah. morning one airboat ride, get to your spot. Is it just you and your dad? Or are you grouped up with a bigger group? Yep. Just um, me and my dad. Okay. Yep. And your guide and then dog, no dog, no dogs. Uh, nobody brought dogs. The lodge don't, doesn't have dogs. You can bring them. Um, it's just, I'm sure more of a hassle to get just another thing to get yes. down there. Yes. Um, I didn't see any there. And then the salt water, I think would be a, unique aspect of trying to keep your dog clean and hydrated as well which would be kind of interesting too um but you don't have a uh, a guide per se like you get dropped off at a spot where um the guys have built up a brush blind for you like okay. an actual brush blind um and they've already set out probably 18 to 24 decoys um completely just in a blob and me and my dad would adjust it every morning to make it look like halfway appealing that we would do back home um so we would do that every morning uh assuming that like it wasn't too mucky or anything like there was yeah. one spot like i didn't i wasn't comfortable going out any farther until the tide kind of went out um and then uh yeah the brush blind the first morning we were on like it was called the point blind we were literally on this like super point um and that was an interesting day because the first day there you know you're both shooting new guns like that you're not used to like the first two or three birds we had completely decoyed, like perfect. And then everything after that, you know, they said they hadn't hunted that bay in two weeks. So you're hoping like, I, I don't know, maybe more birds migrated, you know, but they were just kind of decoy shy or whatever. And it ended up that we basically ended up past shooting the rest of our birds all day um, off that point, which was fine. I mean, we shot quite, quite a few, quite a few ducks that day. 
Um, but they were not decoying. They were not easy shots, but it was worth it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're getting like a real hunt experience though, right? Yeah. No guide calling for you. No guide, no nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're picking up your own birds. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And if, so if you have a bird that you can see is going to be like a nice trophy, like you think about bringing it home, like you can wait out and pick it up and like throw it, you know, by your stuff, keep it nice. Um, if the tide is super strong, it's taking them out. Or if you don't, if you just want them to take it, like they take that airboat and probably every hour will drive throughout the bay. And those guys are like eagle eyes. They can see like the smallest blob not moving and they'll, they'll pick them up and they have them all in piles inside the, inside the airboat when you're done. Yeah. Are there, are there limit bag limits on there? So I only, I don't know exactly how it works. It's not something that they really talked to you about. I only have heard it on a podcast that they had the owner on. Um, and he explained it that each area in a state of Mexico is like a hunting unit management area, I think it's called. And they have limits. So I don't know if they keep like a rough limit per day and like kind of it's like additive or how it works. Um, but we weren't explained any limits. I mean, it's not like we came, um, you know, if it was 25 per day, I think in the state south of us is what I've been told. It was probably the same types of limits up by us. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. What, uh, what, um, what, what kind of ducks were you shooting? On so day one, one uh, yeah. we shot blue and green teal. And like, obviously the blue and teal are not like the teal that you were seeing in September, like the, yeah. the kinds that are in books and things. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we shot, uh, got my northern shoveler and I shot a widgeon that was ended up making it home as well. Ooh. Something that I'd, I'd never see like that. Um, and then probably, I don't think we shot any pinbills that day. Um, a bluebill or two. And what else? A lot of widgeon and shovelers that morning. Green and, and a, lot more, a lot of teal. That was the most teal we probably shot was, was that day. Okay. Which is interesting. How many, how many, how many, like how many birds did you actually shoot to? I think we ended up with 25. Okay. Between you and your and dad. Mm-hmm. Who shot, just, okay. Who who shot thirteen and who shot twelve? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it was probably pretty evenly split, to be completely honest. Because I ended up going like away from our brush line, where there was like these two little mangrove mangrove like bushes, like a little farther out, just far enough out that the pass shooting was like, you know, it's five yards closer, but it just made the shot a little better. So I kind of stayed over there, and he stayed on the other side of our blind, actually, just because more birds are flying that direction. We were probably pretty equal throughout mm-hmm. that day. Um, but it was just interesting to get back to the launch all about the same time. They pick up everybody and like one group shot 40 something ducks, a group of three or four guys in our, from our lodge, but all of their birds were like Mexican mallards that were decoying, you know, like mallards, you know, everything they had at their location was decoying, like perfect. I'm like, we had wildly different experiences than today, you know, and then another group shot 20 something, just like us, same thing though, all pass shots. Like it's just, it depended on where you were and, and you know how your blind was set up and everything that goes into it yeah, yeah it's just it was interesting in, in one day how many different blinds had wildly different experiences that's cool that's all i mean it's it's you it's fun though because you're not that far apart right yeah I mean, yeah you can hear it like some spots you might like on the third day i think we could see one of the blinds but every other day like it was still like you're around a like around a corner or something like yeah. you couldn't see them but we're talking like hundreds of yards still like and nobody else is hunting there except for this this group of people. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, 
then then you go back you eat dinner and you're tired from hunting all day and you just basically pass out I mean, well, that... also we got picked up at 11 and then on your way back uh lunch in the truck and you went to the dove field for the afternoon so yeah there was no you could catch a cat nap if you wanted to in the truck but like i think i was hunting by 1 30 probably okay on the, way, on the way back up so it was a couple miles south of where the lodge was um there was this spot i don't know if they're mesquite trees or what they were but we were set up right next to like a cattle stockyard so there's cows all over the feet like a feedlot like over to my right i was i was put on a kind of a corner with an open field in front of me um and then yeah we were shooting is it white white wing doves i think um there was some morning doves mixed in there but a little bit bigger than the doves we see just a different variety which is kind of interesting were they easier to shoot, harder to shoot, about oh, the same difficulty level? Definitely just as difficult. <laughs> yeah. And just when you think you're really good, like, you know, maybe 40 minutes in or something, like, you'd have a double and then you'd shoot a single, like, three shots. And you had a really, you're like, this is it, I figured it out. And then you'd have a dry spell and you're like, I I can't hit a dove anymore. I, I can't do it. Doves are, doves are like the most humbling bird. Yeah. They're like, they're yeah. like, 15 yards away just you know fluttering through the air and you're like boom 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 you're like son of a biscuit why won't you die like what yeah, some of my, some of my worst ones were the ones where the bird boy was like oh it's right there like right in front of you and i can't hit it but i can hit one crossing at like 35 yards <laughs> through a tree it doesn't make any sense i don't understand it i yes i'm not we need we need like a a professional shooter on here to tell us what we're doing wrong i think yeah how do you shoot doves i don't know i did pretty well for myself all considering that like this was dove hunt number two for me so it was i did pretty well i had a pretty nice pile at the end okay there's no limit on those i'm guessing i can't i can't imagine there is did you did you shoot until you ran out of ammo or your shoulder was sore did you like throw in the towel technically i ran out of time but i was very close to my the eight boxes that they give you <laughs> and it's as fast it's as fast as you can see the doves like that's how many doves were there like they're going through and like you know getting them up and moving throughout the trees or whatever like the other bird boys and stuff just keeping them not sitting on the feedlot and stuff and in the trees like to the north i guess it would be they just keep them moving and the other shots keep them moving you know constantly but there was no i think the biggest lull i had was when somebody said that they drove the truck around and said you had 15 minutes and that was the longest lull I had. I had, you know, however many shells left. I'm like, I'd love to shoot the rest of these shells, but I don't, there hasn't been a dove here. And, and, t- and then I think I, sh- I shot a couple more with like two minutes left until they came around to get me. Dang. So my shoulder was sore and then bruised on day one. Uh, you, did you, I mean, you fired what? 220, 225, 250 rounds of ammo day one? Yeah. Yeah. 250, pretty close. Wow. Um, Yep, in a t-shirt, basically. So it's not like it was like, you know, November hunting here. Um, and I, I already messaged Art from All Claire and I gave him a shout out. Um, could not do it without regular, like with regular hearing protection. Like having those All Clairs in, shooting that many times, like you can hear the wind and have a conversation and then shoot 250 times and never have, never be rattled the entire day. It was awesome. That is cool. That's yeah. That's that's why I increased my HSA yeah. um, by a thousand dollars this year. Con- my HSA contributions so that I can just buy a pair and yeah, it's done. It awesome. I mean, I don't expect to shoot that much, no. like anytime soon, but it was it was great for that. That's awesome. That's that's yeah. cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that so. So now that back point, to where you thought I was. So dinner. That was yeah. Now dinner. Sorry. <laughs> I think I think the first day was the the earliest day. Like we packed up there at like three thirty four, and we're back probably at four thirty. So uh, dinner is usually served around six, and it's like everybody sits around a big table. You can talk to the owner, talk to everybody, just you know, talk about the day, talk about whatever. That's where I learned a bunch. Like. You know, ended up talking dogs with guys. Like, of course, if you hear somebody has a dog, they end up talking about dogs. Um, yep. Actually, no lab owners, Chesapeake and Boykins. I couldn't believe it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is, what is what I said? Uh, <laughs> so I get back at like 4.30. There's margaritas waiting on the entrance table when you come in. And you go back and you can shower if you have time, whatever. And then there's like, Outside of the dining room, there's kind of like a bar area with comfortable chairs and you could hang out. There's an outside seating area if you wanted to, you can hang out there, but just talk to everybody how the day went. And once you're talking about that, you just talk about whatever, like that's where you find out what businesses people own or what they did for a living or whatever, that kind of stuff. And there's appetizers and things like that before dinner and then roll into to dinner at six. And then most people <laughs> retired on the first night pretty, pretty early. I bet they did. I can't yeah. imagine you were the only one with a bruised shoulder on day one either. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Dang. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Oof. That is an action packed day one. Yeah. Day one. Yep. My goodness. Okay. Um, day two. Same you know, start. Go three o'clock, leave at three forty-five. two hour ride to the same same location, different bay, like, you know, it's miles up, but same general area, you know, we took the same road in and stuff. Um, so we ended up, you know, airboat right in, ended up on a blind that was kind of like just on a shoreline. Um, you could see, I think this is the blind, you could actually see like the window out to the ocean. Um, and so there's a pretty good tide pulling stuff out there. But for us that day, like we only shot 15 and they were all like, I think we shot two hens. They were just all stud, widgeon and pintail. That's all we shot. That's awesome. And, you know, so they were like amazing ducks, lower quantity, but just like amazing ducks. Um, most of them really did decoy pretty well on this particular blind at this particular instance. Um, so that was a lot better than the day before as far as like ease of shooting birds. Um, but yeah, it wraps up like 1030, I think, in the morning. So um yeah, we saw we saw a ton of birds. Um, just none of them were working and they put down out in the middle or whatever. They kind of knew the knew the game um over there. But again, like anything else, you know, some people had more and some people or some people had way more at their spots, just had different setups. Um, and some people had like us, just totally depends on where you were. Yeah. Did you just see less birds that day in general? Or is we it about saw the same probably day just one? as many? It's just we didn't think you know, not being at a point, nothing really extended out, like it's not like I would have picked that spot, you know, if you gave me a map and said, here's the spots, I probably wouldn't have, like, set up there on my own. Um, Got it. It was just, like, a random spot on a shoreline. Just, that's what it looked like. Just, yeah, like, no features or anything like that. Just kind of, like, no. here's a shoreline. We're just going to plop up. We're going to, like, close our eyes and pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm, but can't I'm complain. Like, I mean, that was yeah. amazing bird there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how much did you play around with the decoys there? I think we just kind of like spread them out and made like a pocket sort of thing. 
Um, we did bring down two teal robo ducks. We used them the first two days, and then the third day I decided like it kind of worked the first day. Like I thought the passing birds came in a little bit closer. The second day I couldn't tell if it made a difference or not, so we were shutting them off. Like we could have pulled them, and the third day we just decided to leave them out. Okay, but yeah, I didn't monkey with anything really that third day. But the second day it was just switches and pintails. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Excellent. And third, and then, third morning, I should say. Third, yeah. third morning or second morning, that is. Yeah. yeah. Second, and then you went back and and fired another two hundred rounds of ammo at dubs. No, we we didn't dove hunt again. So in the afternoon, we drove back. Um, our our driver and guide for the day, uh, he's kind of like secondhand man. So we took the truck back that had all the waiters in it from everybody, and they get dropped off and cleaned and rinsed. Um, you know, of salt water and stuff. Um, by people back at the lodge, so they're hanging up and drying um, for you for tomorrow. So we went all the way back to the lodge and uh, did what is called a canal hunt. Um, so the canal canal hunt, there's kind of three different ways that it happens. So the first way is you are in the back of the truck, and they have this rack that's welded that they slide in there, and it's got old car seats in it. And you basically sit in that, and you're basically driving around and spooking up birds and jump shooting that's pretty much what you do out of the back of the truck you um, shoot while you're sitting in the back of the truck yeah yep truck stops you know make a bunch of noises or the bird boys make a bunch of noise and birds fly out of these canals so like this valley it's called the yaki valley it's like the, the biggest wheat fields like in north america maybe the world so there's irrigation ditches everywhere that are like anywhere from two feet wide to probably 12 feet wide and six inches deep to four feet deep, just depending on where you are. Um, so you can drive literally hundreds of miles of canals and do this um, type of shoot. Um, so that was strictly what we did on day two. Day three, we did it a little bit different, um, but we'll get to that later. So day two, just driving around and jump shooting Mexican mallards. And you get out like we'd spot like a group of blue winged teal and they were getting kind of spooky. So you would basically do like a stalk like you would walk up on the other side of the canal like try to stay hidden up on the other side and then you know run up and jump shoot after nice yeah you know dang man yeah. variety here is crazy very much so so those those uh those canals are just filled with the mexican mallards they're everywhere in groups of two to probably 12 maybe more everywhere yeah did you yeah. did you did you shoot a mexican mallard Oh yeah, you can hunt. Okay. Yep. And actually, on day one, I shot two greenheads down there. Beautiful, great greenheads that are two and a three curl mallard. <laughs> so they're not very common. The guy we were hunting with has been down there eight years, and he's seen probably he said four of them maybe in eight years total. We shot two of them and saw four of them just on that day. He didn't know. Just a weird migration. Something was weird, but yeah. As soon as like that first group, it might have been even the first group flushed. I was like, "That's not one. I'm, I'm shooting that greenhead right there." Like, there's Mexican mallards everywhere, but I'm gonna shoot that greenhead for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's cool. You're yeah. making me want to go to Mexico and hunt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is quite the trip. Okay, all right. Uh, so you you do your canal hunt. How many more birds you put in the bag? That's like forty something. Oh. In an afternoon. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So me, my dad, and a gentleman named Peter. So we we were doing all afternoon. 
Dang. Okay. Yeah. And um, and then you go back. You have more margaritas and sit around yeah, and some big, comfy big chairs. Dinner, hang out after dinner for a little while. Now that you're in the swing of things, you kind of like all your stuff is packed. You know, you know exactly what you need to grab the next morning. Um, you know if you're coming back or not to the lodge, so you kind of know if you need to pack for the afternoon. So, okay. yeah, once you're all set there, it's pretty easy. Okay. All right. That's yeah. Perfect. Okay. Uh, day three. Yep. Wake me up with the... all 15 minutes later than normal, I think. It's, you know, because you're going a little farther north, so it's an hour and 45 minutes. I think they just adjusted your wake-up time. Not by a lot, but everybody was up anyway. Um, yeah, rinse and repeat in the morning. You know, get your get your fruits and whatever snacks you want down at the at, for the breakfast table and watch, I think they had cable news network or something on CNN or Fox in the morning down at the Wait, wait, wait. Let, let me let me ask a question. Do they have yeah. coffee? Uh yeah. Yep. For anybody that wanted coffee, it was definitely on there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'd ask if it was good or not good or you know, sludge. You'd have to ask my dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, would, now you wouldn't really yeah. know the answer to that. No clue. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So you went you went north on day three. Yeah, just a little bit. Same kind of coastal bay area, but like a bay farther north. Um, actually, I think it was in the middle. It was complicated, but it was down there in the same region. Still a long car ride in the morning uh, down through the same cities and stuff. Um, and we were looking on a map. We were still kind of like on a shoreline again. Um, for whatever reason, this one was just a little bit different. I mean, as far as the day went, we ended up with close to 30 birds, um, but they all decoyed. Like every single one of them decoyed. Uh, almost all pintails and wigeon again. Um, so it's just kind of fun to call the ones and twos, you know, that were coming in, um, coming into the the decoy spread, which was awesome. So that was that made for a really really fun morning. That's a, that is a that is a great morning if you're shooting thirty birds and they're all decoying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yep, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So um, again, rolled up. I think you know, anywhere from one to four birds kind of decoying every. 10 or 15 minutes for a couple hours in the morning. So that was, that was a good time. I can't, I can't, I, I can't fathom that, you know, yeah. I, just can't, I mean, it's mind, yeah. it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I'm a novice, but yeah. you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So for wow. Sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, was that your best morning? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say that's going to yeah. be a hard one out too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I think my dad ended up taking a widget or two home from that that morning. They're they're super nice, mm. super nice birds. Mm. Okay. Um, so day three's afternoon adventure was fishing. No, so uh, um, the goal was the cinnamon teal. So I'd obviously checked the box on the other ones. And my dad being down there before, like one of the guys actually came up to Wisconsin and worked. Uh, for one of the guys in their group last year. So my dad kind of knew him. Um, you know, they went out to dinner and stuff last year or whatever up in Wisconsin in the summertime. So he knew Danny pretty well. And our main driver, um, we were joking with him, you know, the day before. He's like, hey, you didn't get us. You didn't get me that cinnamon teal. Like, what are you? Come on. Who's going to get us? Who's going to get us on the birds this afternoon? Because it's the last. You could shoot one in the morning. Like a couple people, probably two or three were taken in the morning hunts. But like that's out of 10 people, you know, and there's only two or three cinnamon teal. So you really want that one. 
Um, so we, we were joking with the other guy, Danny, at the launch and said, like, hey, I want to get one of these this afternoon. Like, what do we need to do to make it happen? And he, like, turns around, gets on his cell phone and talks to our, our bird boys from the day before and telling them, like, you need to go to this spot, these canals. That's where we've seen them. Like, make sure, like, you get them set up that they're, they're going to have a shot at getting a cinnamon teal. So I was like, all right, well, they're making all the right phone calls. Like, may, maybe we'll have a chance at one. You know, we didn't even see one, uh, the canal shoot the day before. So back to the lodge, drop everything off, and then back out again. So our main driver was gone, so we are just with the bird boys in one truck this time. And uh, <clears throat> because we kind of knew they'd probably jump up a little bit more than normal, like when you just drive around, um, they dropped us off basically like on the side of one of these ditches. Um, and you kind of tucked up into some trees that were alongside the road and they will drive up, you know, mile or whatever, up the, up the ditch, up the canal and look for teal and whatever. And if there's teal there, they kind of try to get them to flush and keep moving down the canal. So we're probably there. I should say it took us an hour and 15 minutes driving around to find a spot that they thought was good. So not like an open ditch, not like. You know, it had some vegetation and some stuff where teal would look like they would stay. So uh, we drove around in the dustiest roads I've ever been on. Peter had his iPhone and it wouldn't recognize his face. Like that's how dirty we were in the back of the truck wow. um, for driving around for an hour and 15 minutes before we could find the spot. So, okay. you know, they dropped us off and uh, you can hear the horn honking and some stuff. And like, you can't even see the truck. Like that's how far up this really straight road it is. And all of a sudden, the bird boy is yelling, teal, teal, teal. And my dad says he thinks it's a cinnamon. And I can tell that it's a cinnamon from probably like 100 yards away. Like, it's just dark. Like, it's just like black dark. That's so cool. And I'm like, oh, no, I've got one shot. Like, literally, I have one shot at a bird flying as fast as teal fly down a canal. <laughs> and uh, I, I stood up and I absolutely dropped it um, in the canal. It was still alive, but it was it's not going anywhere. So... You know, and then it was kind of cool because on GoPro, like, you can hear everybody talking that, you know, as it's coming in, you think it's the cinnamon, and then after, like, high fives and stuff, like, that we got the cinnamon teal and that we can go, we can now go around and, you know, jump shoot the rest of the afternoon. But it was an hour and a half, basically, to find and get that bird. And uh, we, we shot one later, but that was basically my only chance at getting it, was the one shot of it flying from right to left, which is my least favorite shot. <laughs> Like down the canal as fast as a teal would fly. Like, yeah, like 160 miles an hour, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Got it on GoPro. It was super nice. cool. Yeah. Nice. How come yep. I haven't seen that video yet? I've got it right here. I was looking at it today. I wanted to slow it down. I have 35 gigs of uh, of GoPro video that I, I, every day in the truck right back, I would be deleting, you know, videos that were garbage or misses or whatever. But I ended up with, I think, 35 gigs of. Okay. Okay. I did not know you took the GoPro down. Oh, I, yeah. I, have I brought not, a good camera, too. I have not seen any of the footage, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to, yeah. yeah I, I, need, I need to see some of this footage. Like, yeah. this this got to come. This has got to come in here. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, yeah. Got the cinnamon teal, and it was an absolute stud, like. Didn't tear it up at all. Didn't tear it up on my follow-up shot that I had to go down by the canal and take care of it. But um, it is the darkest, like that dark red brown that you see a cinnamon teal. Like some of them are lighter. Like it is the darkest dark one. So 
nothing was jacked up on it so um it was a super super nice bird okay that one that one came home oh yeah yep yeah 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 okay yeah Okay. So enjoyed uh, the rest of that afternoon, drove around, didn't shoot any greenheads, just Mexican mallards. I think we shot a couple blue winged teal. Um, yeah. So that was day three. Okay. How many birds did you end up with in the afternoon then? It was like another 40 something, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. the, the numbers are crazy. Like, yeah. like just compared to how we, are normally hunting right and i'm including yeah. you even though you scratch out you know four three or four birds every time you hunt right yeah it's like you're like ones and twos and threes and maybe a four right and you're shooting 40 birds in an hour yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah it's 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 i can't fathom it right yeah. and that morning um, was crazy another group shot similar to us uh high 20 something but all really nice birds and another group shot i want to say it was 80 like 80 something mostly bluebills which was really weird they were, they were on like a freshwater inlet but then another group just down from them shot seven birds like granted their seven included a stud ruddy duck that was going on the wall a cinnamon teal which was super nice and a banded hen pintail so like of the seven three of them were going on the wall so it's like what would you trade like that group of seven or like 80 bluebills i don't know quality quantity you know yeah it, it was a real depends on the day right <clears throat> exactly yep so Dang. they they knew my goal on day three and we got that accomplished it took a lot of driving around a lot of dirt in everybody's eyes and everybody's gun but uh it ended up panning out for me did was it was it dustier than the roads in iowa that we were driving in december Imagine, imagine that, but it's like dirt, not that chalk, kind of. And then yeah. you're in the back of your truck, sitting mm. in the back. Yeah. So okay. similar to that. Yeah. Imagine that's what it's like. Okay. okay. Picture. I got it. I can. Mm -hmm. I got it. It's. 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 It's filling it. It's filling it. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um. Wow. So day mm -hmm. three is a is a is a banger as they say it's a good day you know yeah. came back and definitely had a celebratory margarita my our driver guide that we had every day except for that day because he had to interview somebody else for the lodge um he was super happy for us and you know we we're hanging out whatever after that. it was it was a good time it's good that's good and yeah. then day day four is day four is a your target is a brand hunt on a different saltwater bay um so wake up way later like or 30 or something um because it's super close to the lodge like 40 minutes or something um similar routine you get dropped off at a <clears throat> at a blind um and everybody goes in different ways and this was kind of one of those that it was just the luck of the draw of the blind so uh my dad happened to be coincidentally in the exact same blind last year he did not shoot a brant there um, I think they only shot five brand and it was the, the other three guys that shot their birds last year. Um, you could hear some shooting and we didn't know if they were shooting ducks or whatever because we saw some ducks flying in the morning. Um, turns out, you know, the guy that we usually hunted with in the afternoons, he shot like four, but one of him was a, his was a double banded brand, you know, the tarsal band oh. and a, a standard brand. Uh, one group shot five with four people. 
you know, we saw four brant the entire morning until 11 o'clock when a flock of like 10 maybe flew just outside of our decoys. Um, and we ended up shooting and, and dropping two out of that group. Um, but the blind farther down from us, they ended up with like 15 or 17. Like it was just, it's just the blind you're at that day with the tide and the eelgrass and whatever. You know, never, I'll never know what made the difference, right? But it just happened to be, it's still a lot of fun, super cute, cool to see them. I had no idea what, like you're seeing, oh my God, you saw thousands of like cormorants and seagulls all morning. So you're like having flashes of things coming across the water low. And they're not brand, and then finally you see a brand. Like, oh, that's definitely what we've been looking for, you know, all morning, and try to get them, you know, flag them in or something. But it was a slow morning. I mean, yeah, we shot them in the last ten minutes before the airboat came. So, oh wow, okay, yeah, 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 a lot of standing around for that. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, that's I. I just had to Google it too because I'm like, I, you know, I'm not very familiar with with brands. So yeah, um, and this is one of those like the other guys, right? They shot their Atlantic brand, but now they wanted their Pacific brand, you know, like the 41 doesn't uh, like subspecies in that way. But personal people or people with personal preferences. They definitely wanted both or whatever. It was just kind of kind of interesting to see what everybody was after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. I'm like sucked in here. I'm like reading about it here as you're talking. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so slow morning on day four, they pick yep. you up lunch and then this is where you go fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So we flew back to the lodge cause we had to meet up with a bass fishing guide, um, that would take us from the lodge down to his, um, I guess he called it like his fishing, what do you call it? Fishing. It's not a village. Kind of like everybody's got trailers there. Keep their boats there. Put oh. the boats in, but they don't live there. It's kind of like a. Not like a resort. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. But we had a deck to to there with him and we got to know him pretty well. Um he's actually I can't wait for uh the October World Bass Fishing Championship in Italy. He's representing Team Mexico with a group of one or two guys um on their bass fishing team. So he knows what he's doing, which was which was nice to know going out there. Um it was kind of a windy day, which wasn't ideal. Um, but you know, he kept us moving every probably half an hour if we weren't really getting any bites or any hits or anything. Um, we probably ended up with a dozen fish or so in two and a half, three hours, which we were pretty happy with. I mean, no, he caught, of course it was him. Rafine caught a pretty big bass. I think it was probably around the four pound mark. Um, yeah, yeah. We caught some smaller ones, nothing too small. I mean, we were pretty happy with it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, headed back late because, um, yeah, on the water, it was a lot of fun. But day four is the, uh, at this particular lodge, they bring in a mariachi band and you have a big steak grill out. Um, it was a lot of fun. So that's what we, we were, we were late. I mean, you know, everybody was kind of holding up for us. So this was like a, Seven seven thirty dinner, which was late for everyone after four days of getting up early, grinding all day, and and you know going to bed early. So nice, awesome. Yeah, uh, that's a heck of a trip, man. Yeah, yeah, it was action packed. Four days of of hunting and, and then fishing. Okay, dang, mm-hmm. dang. How, okay. And then obviously you wake up early the next morning, head to the airport. Yeah, wake up early enough. I think our uh, our shuttle bus took everybody back at like 
eight o'clock or so. You got like a one o'clock flight, so you got a three hour trip and then getting through. I mean, Mexico security isn't quite like going through TSA, but you still got to build in some time to time to wait there. And on the way up, we actually had to drop off our, the guy me and my dad hunted with, um, he was going to be staying in Mexico for his third week and he was going to be chasing his coos deer. So he was going to be on another week. So we dropped him off at some random lodge in the middle between Obregón and Hermosillo. So dang. Yeah. Dang. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, did you have any travel issues on the way home? No, no, nope. Nope. Sure. Okay. Well, that's good. And then what about like, how are you transporting your birds home? Yeah. So, um, you, when you get back every day from your hunt, like you, you know, you maybe a yellow zip tie on foot or something, and then, uh, put your name on it or whatever, like a tag. So, you know, it's yours. Cause the freezer is full of 10 or 12 people's trophies from that week. Right. So it's building up. Like by the end of the week, you opened a stand up freezer full, full of birds. Um, so every day when you get back, you kind of like clean up one or whatever and um, you wrap them up, you know, you bag them, you have a, a tag, you know, you've seen, you, you tag them just like in the U.S. if you're traveling, um, like a federal tag, it's got your name, your, your location, what it is, quantity of what it is, and each one of those in each bag. Um, so then the bird is completely frozen by the time you're leaving because you take those out of the freezer at 7.45 in the morning and you leave. Um, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You put it in like a soft-sided cooler and then you put it in your check bag so you don't have to worry about it until you get to, you know, customs in the U.S. It just goes to check bag. Um, some people send down a cheap, you know, Coleman cooler and you put them in there and you duct tape it up, send it as a checked, a check bag basically. And then other people, uh, like what we did, because my dad's done it twice now and it's been fine, um, you have a soft-sided cooler and you use that as your carry-on. They're just frozen birds and you keep them with you. Yeah. Um, so get them through Mexico security is no problem. You arrive at Border Patrol, um, do you know your picture, they check your passport or whatever, maybe through. And then you need to go through a separate line with all the other hunters returning from Mexico or anywhere um, from international. It's the USDA line at the Phoenix airport. So you go through and declare, you know, or you talk about the, what birds you have, what where you came from. And then, uh, so if you're a bird hunter, you have to be able to see, like fully identify the bird. So they have to see the head and the beak because there's a U.S. Fish and Game, like, personnel there. And they're looking at it to make sure it is what you're claiming it is and you're not bringing something in that's on the CITES list or something like that that you can't import to the U.S. Sure. So they literally yeah. look at all your birds. Um, and once you get their blessing, you wrap them all back up or whatever, fold the bag back up, put it in the cooler. They, um, you have paperwork. So the night before, after the mariachi band and dinner, um, our guy, like I said, he's number two, basically at the place, he sits you down and you go through your paperwork. You have all your Mexico hunting licenses and these little zip tie tags that they have. Um, like if you're importing a Mexican mallard, you have to have a special tag. You have a tag that say this is your Mexican hunting license and some paperwork. Then the USDA takes that paperwork and types it all in. And it, um, when you bring birds back to the US because of the avian flu, you have to send it to a USDA approved taxidermist. So they do all their special taxidermy business on the, that side of things. And then you can have that fleshed out, cleaned bird sent to your taxidermist 
it's just another step in between that you wouldn't normally have to take. Okay. Um, but that's all there. I mean, at the same time, you're at one line, there's another line, you're seeing these huge mule deer being the capes unfolded out of a um, out of a suitcase or a cooler. They're getting looked at for whatever fishing game look at at a deer or a desert bighorn sheep that's being unfolded on this table um, and then moving on through. So once you get through that, you know, you're, you're good to go. You got all your paperwork, the paperwork's emailed to your tax service. You get a copy of, and you get a copy of something back, I think. And then you go through TSA again to re-enter, you know, to domestic flights, and then you're on your way. Dang. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. And it can take some time. I mean, depending on who's looking at what. And, uh, you know, we were looking people through that had an hour and a half connection because, you know, you're spending a half an hour easily at that spot. And we yeah. had four hours. So we were letting people in our group go. And the guy in front of me uh, from our group, he had 13 birds. So he had a lot of unwrapping and go and tell to do in lines or like yeah you should probably go ahead of us dang okay yeah wow mm -hmm. wow that's that's fascinating i mean it makes yeah. it makes sense it's just something i would not have thought of unless we we're having this conversation here mm -hmm. about you know how that process works yeah okay um and what's your what are your what are your overall thoughts like on the trip would you is it like an a trip a plus yeah. trip yeah no, it was it was it was up there. It was hard to beat. It's also hard to compare to anything because, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, right? But it was still pretty phenomenal as far as what we saw for birds. Like, could you have shot more? Yes, probably. Could you have had worse days? Also, probably, yes. Um, but, I mean, when, when every bird you're shooting, <clears throat> when all the drakes you're shooting are basically, like, wall mount worthy, that's pretty cool to, to go out and pick those up you know, bird after bird. I, yeah. Y yes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you, so the other thing too is, is, you know, you've taken a few trips this season, we'll say, and yeah. they've all kind of sucked too. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, this was kind of awesome to end, end my 23, 24 spring season on. Um, and with my dad, it was just, it was a lot of fun with him. You know, uh, it was pretty cool to, there was another father, son, well, father and two sons, like in our group, um, and you know, people that have always hunted with their dad and stuff. So it was, it was pretty cool to do that whole thing with my dad. We had an amazing time. Like it's hard to compare to anything, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't really compare that kind of trip. No, definitely, definitely not. So did you did you get home and did you say, Kelly, I think I think I need to take this trip again next year? <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. It was exhausting. It's not cheap. Uh, the taxidermy is not cheap for anybody. Oh, like, it was just, it was a lot. But I mean, I mean, my dad and I talked about it. Like, if we were to come back and do this, like, in a couple of years, like, what we would do different. Like, I have a list of things I would, I would probably do different. Okay. Um, but like, it was nice. I mean, I'm, you're friends with the guys on Instagram now, and you know, it'll be, it'll be cool to follow up with those guys and. And stuff if they need anything from the u.s you can send it down that kind of thing you know you know i'm on a personal level after four days five days and on yeah yeah what so what would you do differently um so one thing is the gun like i had a, I shot a super black eagle three down there and while i did bring my choke tubes down which was a good idea um i would actually bring the tools and my like shims down because the drop 
was not fit for me. And I probably could have asked after like day two, once I figured out what was going on, like you pull up and I have to adjust my gun every single shot because I'm not looking down the rim. Like mm-hmm. it's just annoying. But knowing that they have super black eagles and uh, knowing that I have all the parts for it. And now that I know guys, like I could just ask, like, do you guys have the parts for this? And I just need to simply ask, or can I just, you have the same gun every hunt. So if you put something on it or whatever, it'll be there until your fourth day. Yep. So if, if it, if it took you one wrench or whatever to, to fix something, we could do it. That's probably one thing may or may not bring Roboducks back. It didn't seem to make that big of a difference, but I'd hate not to have it. So if you have room in your check bag and you packed a little different, like I would, I would probably bring just the one teal back in case you needed it. Um, I don't know. I think there was a couple other things I had written down, but those were the two big ones around guns. I, I don't think I would pay to bring my own gun, but man, it would have been really nice shooting a gun that I know how it shoots every single time. That's the one, that's the one difference that you're definitely paying to have. Um, and we didn't obviously, uh, definitely would bring the flag again, um, flagging ducks and definitely the brand. I think that made a difference for the ones we did see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of just ran out of time basically because like the first day we got back at four thirty, but every other day after that, you're after you know you're back six six thirty and seven, I think. So you're just back late. Like you didn't have I didn't even have time to shower one of the days before dinner. Um, but it would be really cool to have the guys take you out to like a local place. So there's a place called like Taco Taco, and like it's the local place to go. Not that our food isn't from like a five star chef, so it's hard to it'd be hard to be like no, I'm gonna pass on this marinated duck meal to go out to like a taco joint but maybe do that later you know it's just it was really hard when you're you're wiped out and then yep. i kind of came down with a head cold that was going around so like end of day three and day four like i didn't even feel up to anything so it, it kind of made that side of things hard too yeah so you made a nice transition here because you know there's no way we're gonna not talk about food on this podcast yeah. here so yeah. nice good lead in there matt especially yeah. with jeff gone and me here um yeah so Five star chef. What? Tell me more about Basically, the five star chef. Yeah, I, I, mean, I saw. He, I saw. Yeah. You sent a couple of pictures of the food. Yeah. You didn't send any GoPro videos. Of the ducks you were killing. Yeah, you sent pictures of the food. Yeah. So I mean, the day I can't remember day one, February third. I can't remember like that first night's meal. I just knew it was really good because I hadn't eaten anything but granola bars and the Biscoff cookies that they give you on the plane. So I hadn't had a meal since the day before so whatever it was it was really good i just can't tell you i can't tell you what we had that night um but like every morning uh your driver will give you a tinfoil thing of three burritos and those change every morning like three taco like rolled up burritos so you can have those standing in your blind you know pending that you have time and whatever um and then each morning your your seat that you have is a cooler that flips open so there's like water and drinks and soda in there if you want it or whatever. Um, so that's like your like blind, your morning blind setup if you want it. Um, lunch is was typically like a really, really, really good sandwich that was packed. Um, not just like a ham and cheese sandwich, like a really good sandwich. Hard to describe, honestly. Um, in like a styrofoam container that was waiting in the truck. Um, but the dinners were, uh, one night was like a steak meal with a tamale and like a like a cheese filled pepper with guacamole uh 
the appetite oh, and every meal at dinner comes with a soup so like tortilla soup there's like a bean soup they're all amazing so you go in with this giant bowl of soup and then you have a, like a three-course meal after that one of the meals was a marinated uh duck with like a orange marmalade sauce on the top of it uh with a baked potato and something else uh one of the meals was a garlic 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 fish meal of some sort i think which was really good and then that fourth night was the steak dinner like out on the on the grill like the charcoal grill and uh i don't remember what the sides were doesn't oh, matter. Uh, no, it was really good. It was onions, like really good onions on the grill. Okay, I, yeah. I was gonna say it doesn't it doesn't really matter because I'm, I'm my mouth is watering. Yeah, no, it was all it's just phenomenal food, obviously. And, and it's fun. And it's funny, you know. Like I know, I know, I know. I like to joke around. You guys like to joke around how much I ask about food, but mm-hmm. you know, you're you're going for you're going to hunt, but it's about the total experience, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, having like three freshly rolled up burritos and tinfoil that you get to eat while sitting in the blind, no mm-hmm. guide. It's just you and your dad. Like that yeah. is a, that is an experience yeah. like that is, and having it be high quality and taste really good. Like that just adds to it. Yeah. I think that's so good. You know, yep. I like, I like to envision that, right. That's, you know, I think about that and it's like, okay, this is, you know, I want to, I want, I would like to do this for that reason. Right. Just yeah. like to have that moment. Yep. you know another look back on that specific moment so that's that's yeah. great yep okay um what is your what's your like your most memorable i'll say memorable moment yeah the memorable moment of your entire trip what stands out it was definitely i mean i think i told my dad like it was all great like each hunt is different for its own reasons but like the cinnamon teal coming down to like the last day of basically trying to get it like there was no other hunting after that afternoon and they came down to basically one path shot which was it was i mean you're not going to forget that especially when it comes back on the wall it's going to be pretty awesome to talk about that forever so yeah yeah do you have the spot picked out for it oh yeah it's going right there they're all going together okay it's going to be on one board i think if i can oh, get it ooh. done okay okay yeah. all right you, where are you going to put all this stuff? Because I mean, you you turn and that tail feather just about whaps yeah. you in the face. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I think I'm going to have to move uh, the wood duck and the painting, and it's going to pick up most of that wall over there. Okay. Um, yeah, it's going to be I think two and two with a picture or a picture frame in the middle, and then a shelf on the bottom with some stuff like you know I brought back. Um, can't bring shells like extended shells home, but you can bring the shell boxes. So I've got like two shell boxes, some seashells, and stuff from from the hunt. Um, that kind of stuff that'll go on that shelf is all all part of it. Nice. Did you think about what you wanted from a taxidermy perspective beforehand? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I should say I had a pretty good idea, and I wasn't convinced that I wanted them all dead mounted. But I just, I mean, most of my birds in the basement are dead mounted. So just got, I'm kind of a sucker for those. Um, so I had an idea and then I was like, oh, maybe the cinnamon teal will be like a flying one, but I just wanted like all of the troop together, like on yeah. one, one thing. So okay. that's what it'll probably end up being. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm on, uh, I'm on board with that. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. For someone looking to take a trip down 
down south of the border to do a duck hunt? Yep. Like what what are the tips? What should they do? What should they think about? How early do they need to plan this thing out? I mean, we booked a year in advance, and I think my dad's group the year before booked a year out. Um, like get yourself on that list. Um, yeah, I mean, when when you get all the information packets sent to you, like read through those because it's all true. Like everything, all any tip anybody gives you on that sheet, like I would follow it. Like what to bring, don't overpack. Like it's very easy to overpack. You're not going to wear that much. Like you're going to shower and you're going to change into the same stuff. Like you're not going to, you don't need to bring that much, basically. You know, when I asked somebody about packing for this, um, she had suggested that the, the outfitter that we all kind of booked through the same thing was like, pack what you want and then cut it in half. That's what you should you should look to bring on an international trip. Like you're not going, if you need it, they have laundry services. Like it's not, you don't need to pack for a week. Like that's not how it works. Okay. You gotta think about you're bringing a blind bag and waiters and whatever, you know. That's probably the number one thing. Pack less. Okay, that's good. That's a good. That's a really good tip. That's good because I'm I'm a notorious overpacker for stuff. Yeah, it's really easy. I I definitely had quite a few things overpacked, and then I was starting to, you know, really zip up the suitcase. You know, do I really need whatever whatever this is? And it kind of makes it into a, a scrap heap at the end. Yes, yeah. it's just like I, I have. I guess for me, like I always have, I have it planned out in my head. Like I'm gonna do this here, this here, this here. I'm going to shower here. So I'm going to need this here, this mm-hmm. here, you know, and then it's, yeah, I wear half the stuff that I pack. Yeah. Absolutely. Literally half. I mean, just, mm-hmm. I, I went to Vegas for shot show and I wore half the stuff I packed. It was insane. Yeah. And I did, I like showered when I was going to shower. I'd like just still just, it still didn't. Yeah. You, you put on clothes that you, that you've worn before. Yeah. For like an hour. Yep, exactly. And you go to bed. So it's like, yes. why did I bring that? Yeah. I don't I don't need four outfits that I'm going to wear for an hour each. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I agree. Okay. Um. All right. I'm 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 running out of questions here, but did you meet anyone famous on your way home in the airport? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Yep. Did run into, I was like, who is that at the airport? You meet a lot of people at the airport, a lot of people coming back from not only duck hunts, uh, mule deer, coos deer, those are huge hunts down there, desert bighorn sheep. And yeah, I uh, ran into Sarah Bomar, so not not famous uh, in the hunting space. But yeah, it was interesting in this tiny seven-gate airport, just who you might run into. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's so yeah, in um in less than 12 months. Sarah Bomar has met two out of the three oh, yeah. of the podcasts. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that isn't that funny? That is. Uh, that is pretty. That's pretty wild. Because she, yeah. yeah, she, she. So last year, Okayest Hunter, we had a booth at the uh, Iowa Deer Classic, and um, yeah, that's in her go, backyard. Yep, yeah, right in the backyard. Yeah. Um, and we were set up not in the main hall. We were in the off haul or whatever and i don't know i actually didn't know i didn't know who it was at first i thought it was just like a very fit mom with a couple of kids who was looking for a little bit of a break and a distraction because my two dogs are sitting in the booth right on place boards and she rolls up and brings her stroller in our booth and her kids just hang out with the dogs for 20 minutes and then we just started chatting and then 
Yeah. You know, then then Josh Bomar showed up and she's like, Oh yeah, most people want to talk to Josh. I'm like, Oh, 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 I do know who you are. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He was staying to hunt for a few more days, so I did not get to meet him. But that's fine. Yeah. 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 So good. That's all good. Okay. Excellent. Um, any other tips, tricks, departing thoughts here? I don't think up? so. No, no. Okay. All right. Um, and then can we can we post some of these like ducks that you shot in Mexico? Or are we gonna yeah, get yeah, we'll permission figure. to post those we'll on figure, social we'll media? Some out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. All right. Wait, maybe maybe we'll hold them back for a little bit yeah, till this yeah. episode hits, hits yeah, the air. That works. Yep. <laughs> that's works. So um yeah. I don't have anything else. If you if you made it this far, thank you for thank you for tuning in. Um thank you for listening. If you have 10 seconds, leave us a review. Uh if you've done a Mexican duck hunt before, shoot us a message. If you've got thoughts, I mean, if you're as excited as I am about it, uh, definitely send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is. And um, yeah, we'll um, be back with another episode next week. And next week we'll be talking more about Mexican duck hunts. So we'll get, we'll get another perspective on it, which will be fun too. So can't wait for that. Can't wait for you to listen to it. Peace out. <laughs>